it's that time again, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, episode number 60 of the Development Hell podcast. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my uh, longtime friend, Ed Finkler, who is... Uh, the audio setup is very weird today because I think uh, uh, OS X... Is it OS X or OS X? I always want to call it OS X, but it's, anyway. It's 10. OS X update. X. Yeah. Is it OS X? All right. So the latest OS... OS 10 update seems to have busted my audio setup. So thanks, Obama. Um, but we managed to get it all straightened out, and we're going to start. Uh, I'm going to start to recording the podcast a little bit later than normal. But um, so Ed, how are you? Again, we only really talked very briefly today with me basically texting you to say, you know, that we're doing a podcast tonight, right? And I believe your response was, oh. I had forgotten about that. So nice to see all the listeners on really understand yep. mm-hmm. how the podcast is important to me, but not important to Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had forgotten. Um, Didn't you even put an entry I, in your calendar too? Cause we even talked about this last time. You know, I, it, let me see. No, I did put an entry in my calendar, but I think I hadn't gotten a notice about it yet. Uh, <laughs> so it hadn't occurred to me at that point uh, that yeah. I had to do that. So, uh, how am I doing? Um, oh, you know, not too bad. You know, just kicking it. Pretty sweet, man. That's good. Yeah, you were hoping I was going to say more. Hey, good night, everybody. Uh, (laughs) you're probably hoping I would say more. I heard you swallow really loud. You're like, I gotta say something. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was just having a drink and I forgot to mute the mic. Uh, I started listening. We are. Because we are professionals. Oh, Christ. What now? Holy Hold fuck, dude. We are not pros. My God. Who do you think he's talking to right now? Oh, man. This is so lame. This podcast is the worst. Uh. Uh. Yeah, he said. Hold and while on. you're busy, while, while while you're busy making fun of me, there, I was just talking to my wife on the phone. We just got back from her friend's place, and her his her friend's husband had died of cancer. So thanks for showing some sensitivity there, Ed. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, is she doing okay? Definitely. I like your wife a lot better than you. I gotta tell you. <laughs> well, well, who doesn't? Let's yeah, fair enough. Honest. I mean, yeah. When, once once they meet once they meet my wife, they understand uh, <laughs> why why I apply the label long suffering to my wife. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it all checks out. I mean, for sure. Yep. yep. Anyway, she just was calling me to say she's on her way home. Anyway, but that's nice. Well, does she like to be featured on episodes? I've told her that she should actually come on one time, and we can talk about um, what it's like to be the uh, related to an internet superstar. So we'll have to see if she wants to come on. Sometime. Yeah, I get the impression we'll just she talk about stuff. I, I really get the impression she doesn't want to put up with your shit. No, she doesn't, but she has to. She kind of has to. Yeah. Kind of has to. Yeah, well, you know. What you gonna Unless do? you want to live in a shotgun shack, she's got to put up with it. Is basically how this works. What's a shotgun shack? Is that you where you, say, do you, is that where Canadians keep have, their guns? No, you ha, you haven't heard the term shotgun shack. Before? I just put my gun in my waistband like other Americans. No, 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 no. See, no, no. See, a shotgun shack is like it's a small little house. Okay, and only has like it kind of has like one or two rooms, and they're like. You can like if you stand at the front door, you can like st- stood in the front door and shoot off a gun, and it would mm-hmm. like kill everybody inside and just go all the way through to the back. Shotgun shack because you could step in and kill everybody inside with one blast of a shotgun. So it's like shotgun every shotgun. house in Japan. Uh, I, I I would hate to characterize such things. I have they no have idea, tiny houses, man. Do they little little I mean, pink not, houses? Or? I don't know if they're all pink. That's all I know. Maybe that's maybe, what. Maybe okay. that's what. John Cougar Mellencamp was talking about. Yeah. Do you guys, was he big in Canada? 
He doesn't. Oh, yeah, he doesn't do the cougar anymore. He's just Mellencamp, oh. or John Cougar Prison Camp, as I used to call John him. Cougar Prison Camp. <laughs> yeah, he's from Indiana, you know. He's an Indiana legend. Like I said, John Cougar Prison Camp. He is quite liberal, actually. I, but I you know, liberals put that. people in prison too. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> they just put them in nicer ones. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. <laughs> You get too liberal, you end up communist, and then you see what happens there. Yeah, all of Canada's pink. Oh, that's not that liberal. Well, we're we're like we're like like right we're like communists compared. Like the conservative party in Canada, the right wing is like still to the left of the Democrats in the U.S. It's oh well, fun. yeah. Anyway, you can't. You're anyway. you're not always saying that Canada is the best country in the world. Not always saying. Well, well we don't have Canada. to say it all the time. I know. I mean, you just know it. We have to say it all the time. Yeah. Just really, really insecure. Anyway. This is fun. That was a great talk. I know, but this is not. Everybody has turned this off. I know. Delete episode. My wife wife has stopped listening anyway. So, um, so let's, uh, as usual, none of this happens without our sponsors. So, uh, Ed, can you please uh, tell us who our sponsors are this week? Yep. First, I'm going to take a fine swig of this ice mountain water. Ice mountain. Where's your ice? Hang on a second. I'm going to take try to take a big gulp like you did. Did you hear that? Sorry. All right, we got two sponsors. First is bringing these fine sound waves to you live, if you're listening live, all three of you. Uh, Wonder Networks. Is it? I still can't remember which it is. Is it singular or plural? I can't remember. Let's let's look it up. It's plural. Okay. Wonder Wonder Networks. Okay, so there's more than one, and we're on the network uh, where they uh, give us uh, uh, a free uh, server to mess around with uh, and have IceCast on it, so it can broadcast things to you. That is the excitement of Wonder Network, who also uh, have things like, where's it up, dog? API, uh, so that you can see if things are accessible uh, from various locations around the world. By things, I mean computers. And then you got your, uh, let's take a picture of a website thing. And then there's the, uh, what else I got going? Uh, the wonder proxy. It says, Hey, um, is my, uh, Russian translation of the, uh, Pokemon card collector website that I made. Is that, uh, correctly displaying in, Russia, and then they you find out, and it says yes, it is, or no, it's not, and you can see how does your website look and respond around the world. And they got I don't know some other junk. So we're big fans of Wonder Networks. Oh, they have that uh, VPN service too. So you know, yeah, Wonder Proxy. Like that. Uh, is that it? Maybe I mix that up. What's the other thing then? Is it part Where's of Wonder Proxy? Is it is it isn't Wonder Proxy the thing where they have it's like you see in Soviet Russia what your website looks like? No, I, that's that's something different. I think Wonder Proxy is their mm-hmm. VPN solution. And Where's It Up is another thing. 
They I don't oh, know, maybe one of these days, maybe Paul should actually, sure. maybe Paul should actually send us some marketing material one time. Yeah, he's not trying. I saw a picture of him, and he said that he was running. I know. So, I saw that, and he looked and he looked happy afterwards. So it makes me wonder if like Paul is like terminally ill or something. One time, I shared a room with him at ZenCon, and it got really uncomfortable because he wouldn't stop making very inappropriate jokes. Also, he but that's our but the but that's our Paul. Yeah, the room was in my name too. And he started, he kept yelling at the staff. It was embarrassing for everybody. Why would what, the staff do wrong? I guess he was sleeping and uh, the, uh, Oh like wait, I think I know service, this story. Yeah. The, yeah. The service person, he probably told this on the one podcast he was on and the, uh, uh, the, the room, <laughs> room service isn't the right word. I'm trying not to say maid. Because this seems weird, like that's, I don't want to, yeah, okay. But the maid just like walked in. He was like, it's occupied, don't go away. And he, they just came in anyway. And he was kind of mad about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet you do. Um, and uh, anyway, so he got mad about that. And then we ended up getting a plate of fruit and cheese from the concierge because of it. Uh, yes. It's all coming back to me now. Right. Yes. Also, I have, heard, I have heard this story. In this story, he also was thought to be Mr. Finkler, uh, which <laughs> he is not. And that was a whole problem there. Uh, anyway, uh, if you still respect this man, you may <laughs> want to. <laughs> Uh, it is it is possible to separate the man from his products. He yeah he does have fine services. Uh, so yeah, just don't ever share a room with him. Yeah, never, <laughs> refi- just turn that down. Offer to pay for his room, his own separate room. <laughs> just tell him no, no, Paul, I'm good. Take this room here. Here, I've got some money on me. To you, yeah. Just, How much is the room? Don't care. Put the card down. Just no. Just give him here. Just give him this card. Right, so 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 Wonder Networks. So the awesome, uh, um, you know, power trio that is uh, Paul Reinheimer, uh, Will Roberts, and um, the lovely um, Gemma Ansible. Yeah, yeah, Ansible. Yes, that's her last name. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, whenever uh, we, I think I see Gemma's name, Gemma. I think of Gemma on Sons of Anarchy, and that's a very different person because Gemma's very nice. Um, Gemma is yeah, super nice. Yes, she's I, like the nicest person in the world, and not a conniving, murderous mother the way that Gemma Teller was. Anyway, um, our other sponsor you may have heard of. Uh, they are the newest player in the uh, music rhythm party game genre. And that is Rove Foundation. I think we all know Rove Foundation from their experiments in web TV, uh, PHP nuke websites, um, software specifically for Amber monitors, um, dating sim translations, Japanese dating sim translations. And now they have gotten into the still lucrative, no people aren't bored with it, music rhythm game stuff. And my understanding is that uh, they have taken a different approach. Now, traditionally, um, 
these games have been, you know, based on popular music genres, uh, such as rock and roll and rock and roll. And there was the DJ game, the hero DJ, uh, which nobody bought, but apparently was kind of fun. Uh, and but they have taken a different approach. They are trying uh, strictly uh, jazz fusion odyssey, and you uh, it it's you have a a toy saxophone. And to make it simpler, there are actually no there's no buttons on it or anything. So it's just based on how hard you blow into this plastic device. And the nice thing is that it also doubles as a breathalyzer. So your friends, uh, they don't go home uh, driving drunk. So that's what they got into. Um, and I'm, I'm actually, I'm not sure about the PHP nuke stuff. I heard some people didn't get their money back on that. So I think talk, talk to, talk to Gary. Yeah, about the yeah, Gary handles them. Has been handling the winding down of the of the Patreon nuke stuff. Uh, in case you're interested for knowing more about the dance rhythm stuff, I've been working on uh, an addition to it where we've been working on having a jazz hands controller to go with the game as well. So oh, it could nice. be very, very exciting. Right. Yeah. Yes. They're Still like- in the prototype stage. Uh, mm-hmm. sometimes the left hand doesn't uh, doesn't, you know I don't I don't know what you call that motion. I guess it doesn't wave quite correctly, but right. you know right. a little bit of trial and error, some A B testing, we'll get there. Right, right. I heard that there were some latex allergy issues with the gloves. Yeah, I don't have a uh, uh, you know a latex allergy, but Evan proved to be problematic. Yeah, that was a big. Th- I remember his, they were all swollen. It was really weird. Yeah, it got so bad he had to get glasses because his vision was affected. That's really, really bad. So we're all praying for Evan um, and his. Hand problem. Jazz, hand, jazz hands, latex problem. Yeah. Yes, yes. So those are our sponsors this week. Uh, if you're interested uh, in being a sponsor, and who wouldn't be after that, remember to go to our uh, section on our website, devhell.info slash sponsors. And uh, just as an addendum to all the wonderful things that Ed said about Rove, we also uh, need to mention Rove Foundation, which is uh, Rove, Rove's attempt to try to help um, people who otherwise couldn't uh, um, afford to attend uh, PHP-based conferences a chance to have their travel subsidized. So please check out the Rove page on rove.com slash foundation um, for more details. Um, you know, we're, we're getting some partnerships, uh, work together with some organizations that are, are going to be happy to donate tickets to the cause. So That's great. as more and more, de- yeah, as more and more details um, become available, you know, and just as always, I remind people, the whole uh, Rove Foundation thing is all um, Gary's fault. That's why he's been siphoning all this money off, hopefully to allow to you know send some less fortunate people um, to, to conferences. Now my, so, my, that, I, I was just going to check. I'd heard that one of the special things that for some uh, sponsored attendees, uh, we're going to get to stay with Paul Reinheimer. Yeah, well, you know, Paul's been very generous, uh, and, and we've been in discussions with him. We'll have to see how much we can finalize, but we'll figure it out. Okay, that's. I'm sure great. Paul. I'm sure. I'm sure Paul will totally go for it. Yeah. Why not? All right. So, so it seems very timely on this topic, uh, mainly because you spend a whole bunch of time whining about this on Twitter. Yeah, that's um, usual. Of course. Yeah. I, of, of course. I'm talking about conference season and uh, how you, f- you had, you were convinced you had submitted a talk for OzCon. Um, the More best than one. That, I thought I sent in like three. Com- 
the best conference in the world that tries to make you pay your own way. And uh, so I thought we actually would talk a bit about um, conference prep. I know we've kind of talked about how mm-hmm. we felt like the best, you know, the way in one of the previous episodes, I would have to go look it up to get the exact number. But it's if you go to the website, it's on there somewhere. We talked a bit about conference stuff. But this, I wanted to kind of talk a bit about how how you and I actually prepare when we are going to be speaking as a conference. Because for me, just attending a conference is a very weird thing because um, I don't do it very often. Whenever I go to a conference, I'm usually speaking, and that's usually makes it a lot easier um, sell to bosses and other stakeholders to tell them, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to go to this thing because I'm speaking. But I'll, I'll be going to um, PHP Tech, and Ed will be coming as well, so we will both be there wreaking havoc. Um, uh, I'm going just as, an, just as an attendee. I'm not actually giving a talk. So, um, of course, I managed to piggyback this with an awesome road trip with Matt Frost. So hopefully our friendship is still intact when this is all done. Cause I can tell you nothing can kill a friendship like a road trip. So, um, Hey, know, Matt Frost, crossed, that all works out. Hey, Matt Frost. I, I'm going to be staying in your room. Yeah. He knows this already. Oh, does he? Gosh. And we might have, and we might, and we might have somebody else staying in there too. So this could get very, very interesting. Oh my God! What is this? Some kind I think of after, I think after. I think after you've left, though. So. Um, oh, well, that's fine. The then. Yeah, time. that's okay. Yeah. As long as it's yeah. yeah. Might want to clean the Jeremy, clean the clean the couch. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We'll have the couch burned afterwards. Don't yeah, worry. Okay. So um, we're gonna. I believe Jeremy uh, McCola, my uh, magic buddy, he's gonna be staying in the same in the same room afterwards because mm. he's gonna be there with Derek and they're doing some Mongo. DB stuff, convincing Ugh. people that the thing is actually stable and works. It, not really. But yeah, so, so Ed, why don't we kind of talk about, like, once we find out that we've been accepted to speak at a conference. Yeah, so sure. Usually, so I'll kind of talk about how that works for me, and then you can go into it. So generally speaking, when I've submitted talk ideas, I've already kind of, I kind of know you know, what sort of talk I'm going to give kind of gone through all that already. I had an idea when I did the submission and then, and then of course, <laughs> um, and then of course, once it's been selected, I'm like, yes, I'm pumped. Cause I am, I'm, I'm excited to go. Um, and then I start thinking about the talk. Um, and I don't know how you do your talks these days. I have found, um, I have gotten a lot of success out of actually outlining the talk before I give one. So I, you know, fire up, um, Vim and I'm actually trying Neo Vim, which is somebody's attempt to like, rewrite vim to be compatible but not with the big not with the nasty code base that vim is because i think vim is almost like 20 years old or something ridiculous so i can i can only imagine how convoluted the code base is for it so a group of people have been basically rewriting vim and it's actually stable and all my plugins work with it and stuff so i'm actually incredibly impressed um at the work that they've done so i'll fire up vim and um and start doing an outline for my talk and so I'll go over like all the major points I want to talk. And then I start breaking some of those points down into sm- until I have, I don't know, like maybe 12 to 15 kind of points. And then I crack open keynote and start cranking out slides. Yeah. So how do you generally do it, Ed? Uh, yeah, I usually do an outline, uh, at least an initial outline to hit stuff. And then I convert that outline into slides. So, uh, and and the so there's really and I've kind of started breaking it down into um, my slides don't have a lot of content on them in a lot of cases um, because it, it kind of depends on the talk a little bit but for a lot of things I want to have it really be sort of a uh, I guess a talking point kind of or something that and and that slide sort of is like this is 
it's sort of something that it's like the focus of that little point of the talk. But what I'll do is I'll have like notes under it. So if you had an outline, the outline as it ends up on the slide is sort of like the major point on at that, that, that joint there. And then underneath it, the sort of sub points under that would be little things I'm going to mention. And I put those sort of in my presenter notes. So, and I use keynote mostly. So I am basically useless without uh, presenter notes. Um, but yeah, it really always comes from an outline. Uh, I just try to think about what are the things that I want to get across. Um, I want to, I think a lot in my head and other people, they really prefer to like practice stuff a lot. Um, I, uh, for one reason or another, cannot somehow get the gumption up to give a talk to myself or like one person in a hotel room or something like that. Uh, so I actually kind of, I often tend to wing it or, uh, you know, I don't know. I also seem for some reason, especially for a guy who has an anxiety disorder, seem to have no problem getting up in front of people and yelling. So uh, I'm not 100% sure why that is, but that's just sort of my personality too. So, uh, but yeah, it really comes from that outline. Um, and I try to think about how I'm going to state things. And I'm trying to put those in the presenter notes, particularly if I'm like, the way I want to phrase something is like this. So I will, I'll, hit a point, hit a point, but then I might have like a complete sentence in there where it's like, this is really the what I want to say. And I want to say it exactly that way. Um, I think of what other fancy stuff I do, uh, you know, but yeah, it always, it really comes from that, comes from that outline and the outline hopefully sort of comes from a major points thing that you're going to hit. And that thing really should have come out of your abstract, right? By the, when you write your abstract, you should have this thing. It's like, well, these are the four or five things that like somebody's going to come away with. So these are the four or five major points I'm going to make in this, in this talk. Um, and uh, that's, yeah, that's usually how it goes for me. Yeah, I'm the same way in that I like I never practice my talks. Um, and so when I hear I'm always impressed by the people who are like, I've practiced this talk like 20, 30 times um, uh, because, I mean, I look at it and just think, wow, I don't think I could actually practice it. You know what I mean? Like I'm kind of the same way. As you. Like I just I, I know what it is I want to talk about. And I guess I guess I've learned how to give talks or, or at this point. Um, I've done them enough times that it's for, you know, it's funny how you talk about, despite having all the anxiety issues, you have no problem standing up in front of groups of people and giving talks. I no. mean, I don't have that. I'm kind of the same way. I, I know what I want to talk about. And then I just go and give the talk. And my style is to be very kind of conversational. And I will, I will in the middle of a talk, I'll, I'll say, but you know, this reminds me, I want to go off on a tangent for a minute and talk about something and then get focused back. Um, to the talk. And I have found kind of approaching talks, the, the talk itself as an outline saying, this is kind of the general things I want to, I want to talk about, mm -hmm. but I'm very comfortable. I'm very comfortable going off the script, so to say, and talking about something else. And my talks are always different. I have noticed that I never give the same talk twice, but I know people that like really, really rehearse. I know that um, Lorna Jane Mitchell um, or is it Lorna Jane or is it Bauman? I can't remember if she's, uh, my apologies to Lorna if she's changed her name after she got married. Cause I know she got married a couple of years ago, but you Lorna Jane, awful. um, I know I'm a terrible person, terrible but, person. but that don't, doesn't bother me. Cause I knew that for a long time. Right, yeah, so, right. uh, Lorna really, really practices her talks and she's one of the few people I've actually seen give, 
um, um, give talks and give soft skill talks without uh, without slides. I've seen her do it just off of, I saw her do this at a, a tech a number of years ago where she gave her talk. She just had notes on cue cards. So yeah. um, I was very impressed, very impressed at her ability to run through the talk um, without, uh, without where most people would have the crutch of the, of the slides. So you also talked on something that's kind of interesting. I, when I first started doing presentations, um, I used to put a lot of information into my slides. Mm-hmm. And these days I've, these days I've really swung back to the, uh, swung over to the minimalist side for my um, slides, where I try to keep as few words as possible on the slides, fewest number of slides that I can do, um, only relevant information. Because I mean, uh, I mean, I want the people to be concentrating on what I'm talking about and listening to me instead of just, uh, you know, I've. You know, I have seen presentations where the person would have been better suited just reading off their slides mm-hmm. because every single thing they said was in their slides. Um, instead of just using the using the slides as a way to kind of, uh, I don't know, Ed, what's a good metaphor? Nudging people along to follow the conversation. Like these are the yeah. these are the big points we're talking about, but you need to pay attention because. Um, you know, not everything is going to be on the slides. And I, and, yeah. and, and sometimes, you know, and sometimes like I notice a lot of people are, I notice this too. And it bugs, it, it bugs me way less now than it used to, but you know, sometimes you'll be in a conference, you'll be in a small room and there's people who are in your talk. Um, they're not paying attention to you at all. And they're, right. um, they're on their, they're on their laptop or whatever. And I've seen people like, uh, act almost like stenographers and they're like typing out verbatim what people are saying in their talks. And so after mm. seeing people kind of being like that. I'm kind of like, you know what? I just, I, I want to find that, that part for me. That's okay. And I've gotten better with, I used to like tell people, if you're not going to pay attention to my talk, you should just go to another room. Cause yeah, I only want people right. here that want to listen. Yeah. So I'm like, it's like, it's like, do I come to your place of work and ignore you? No. So, yeah. Right. Right. Um, so, but now these days it's like, I figure people are in there cause they want to be in there, but they want to listen to my talk. That's great. But yeah. if they are going to come to my talk, I'm going to force them to listen and pay attention because not everything is going to be on the slides. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, th- I think it works better when you have an engaged audience and then the engaged audience can't sort of just ignore the way you're saying, not just what you're saying, but the way you're saying things and just read off the slides. At that point, it's like, well, that's just like, you know, the cliff notes. I don't necessarily really need to hear this guy. Um, at the same time, you know, uh, I think that there's a, I, I've been in talks where there was lots of information on the slides and it was really useful. And I thought the presentation was fine. Uh, you know, so I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it. Um, the one thing that I, that always, that always is, is a thing that I regret is I think I give better talks when I'm, and I think it engage, I think my audiences engage a bit better when I have those sort of minimalist slides or I'm not really just like, I'm just reading you the bullet points that are on this slide, you know, I'm not doing that, but I also know that afterward, it is a hundred times harder to tell what the hell I was talking about. I mean, the slides don't mean anything if I'm not saying anything. So you're kind of making a commitment to doing this thing where you're like, well, I am speaking. And the point is to hear me speak, not to just have some information disseminated on a set of slides. Um, so that's just kind of a different thing. Uh, sometimes I know that... <laughs> 
uh, like if I didn't attend a talk and I went and I was like, I really want to learn more about this topic. And well, and slides that are minimalist are not very all that useful to me. So that's kind of a tough thing. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I tend to be kind of person who tends to skim stuff. So like if you tell me, well, it's a 45 minute talk, I'm gonna be like, I don't want to do that. Oh, just sit there and listen to this guy. Just let me skip through his damn slides and read the bullet points, you know. Um, so I'm a, kind of a hypocrite in that respect, um, <laughs> kind of. Uh, but you know, I, I, you know, I've, I've been in talks that had lost there, and it was useful. And then it's also it's like, hey, this is a slide deck. You should check it out. And there's useful stuff on here. But well, I mean, you know, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, for sure, there are the types of uh, there are definitely presentations that I've done where I needed lots of detailed, dense slides mm-hmm. because of what I was trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that one of the comments I got when I did the talk that I did just this past Friday was a person said in the comments that it was refreshing to see someone doing. Um, what did they say? Basically something like very knowledgeable speaker with very minimalist slides. So to me, that's kind of like, for me, that's probably the best compliment someone could give me right now. Right. Very prepared, minimal, very prepared, minimalist slides. Right. So, so we've kind of talked about how, you know, how we like to build our presentations. So, I mean, when you're building a talk, do you do you ever give consideration to the audience that you're going to be giving it to? Because I don't, I mean, I just write that. I, not that I write the talk that I want to hear, but it's more like I write I write the talk I want to write and I communicate the information that um, I think is useful, but I don't think I've ever looked at a talk and looked at a conference and thought, oh, I can't give that talk at this conference. I mean, maybe that's just because I've only ever really spoken at programming conferences. I'm mm. sure if I did a different, if I, I'm sure if I did a different type of conference or if I did, uh, if I did a, if I went to like a, a real polyglot conference, right. um, you know, where, uh, like I think of something like strange loop. The, you know, the weird out there yeah. programming language conference every year that's in St. Louis. Yeah. Like if I were to give a talk there, I'm pretty sure I would have to do something different because these aren't people that are using the same tools as me all the time. So a lot of the concepts and stuff that I'm talking about, they just won't understand or, or not be familiar with or, or look down condescendingly upon them because it's PHP, but whatever. Um, right. But like, have you ever tailored talks based on the audience you thought was going to be there? <sighs> A little bit. Um, I, I haven't been in wildly different situations that, to do that. And then the second thing is that, I mean, I'm not going to give a, I probably would not give, I mean, there's some talks I'm not going to give in certain places. Like I'm not going to give JavaScript for PHP developers at a, uh, at strange loop. Right. You know, um, cause it's just, that's probably not like the a great audience for it. It probably wouldn't get picked anyway. What about uh, OzCon? Uh, maybe it, I might do that at something like OzCon. No, no, no. What, no. what, what I, what I meant is like, would you prepare for a talk differently for OzCon than you would if it was like at tech? Same topic, um, but, but two different, but two different conferences that you're giving it at. Not typically, no, because I don't, I don't actually don't think the audiences are all that different. Um, there's still going to be enough people who are real PHP focused there. Like for example, if it's a technical talk. So that's the one thing I have to say too is that you know I've got tech talks and then I've got the talk the primary talk I've been you know or the primary talks that I've been giving the past couple of years haven't been tech uh, they haven't been this is they haven't been how tos they have been overviews of technologies and platforms and stuff like that um, and that's interesting in that. Uh, sometimes I do have to structure a little bit, but most of the time I'm talking to developers. 
but you'll get a little bit different in certain audiences. Some audiences you'll get less developers and more, uh, you might get more manager types or you might get more people who work in, in tech, but aren't necessarily developers. Uh, you might get more, uh, you know, designers, you might get more, uh, management, you might get more uh, project managers, you know, all different kinds of things. So like a talk that I give to the audience, uh, or a couple times when I've done a little bit of speaking, say at Brooklyn beta, the greatest conference ever, God rest their souls. Um, is, uh, I would do a little bit of different stuff. I would probably, even though it's a non-technical talk, I just, some of the things that I think about might be a little bit different and I, and I would just try to be conscious of the audience. The other thing that I'd say is I think that you can get different, you just get different social groups sometimes and the kinds of things that they're worried about are a little bit different. Like the audience that I, you see at open source bridge in Portland, uh, that's going to be in June. They're always in June. Uh, is a different one than you have at OSCON. Um, there's some crossover, but one of the things, and this especially comes up with, you know, with the kinds of stuff that I talk about, is that they tend to be a lot more uh, conscious of social issues. And you kind of need to be aware of that. Like, you'll get different questions in a, t- in a talk like the talks like I give about mental health stuff and, and how those things are. I get different questions at Open Source Bridge than I do at other uh, conferences. Um, I'll get specific and probably harder questions to answer. Um, questions about, well, what about this group and how they get impacted or what about that, you know? Uh, and those would, would probably not come up at most developer oriented conferences, most tech conferences. So there's peculiarities, you know, there's different, uh, I, you know, uh, there's, there's certainly different groups and I try to be aware of it. Um, I don't, I wouldn't drastically probably change the content, but I do try to be aware of it and say, well, what's going to be an appropriate, uh, what's going to be an appropriate, uh, you know, Let's see. Uh, what are like appropriate metaphors? What are appropriate, uh, you know, jargon to use? And sometimes I can get away with using certain kinds of slang or making references to certain kinds of things. Like I, I can make a joke at a at a Ruby conference that I gave a talk at. I can make a joke about monads that I and that I can't make that at other conferences. Like no, like most people at Brooklyn Beta wouldn't have known what that is, right? Uh, the majority of people would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Monad? I don't really know what a monad is, but I know that it's a programming thing. Um, but the point is that, yeah, I, I think I do. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, the technical stuff that I do tends to be really specific. So I tend to be like, well, this talk is just not going to work at this this conference or not. You know, it might work at OSCON because they really tried to be kind of open ended. Although at this point, I don't know. They also I heard that they were really, you know, they have their whole like traditional language based track system is they tossed that out completely. And now the focused areas are totally different and everything. But um, but I know that, uh, you know, something like Brooklyn Beta, uh, maybe some stuff like. Uh, like a conference like Distill, uh, which is a lot of it is not super technical. Um, some of it is, but a lot of it isn't. Um, 
you know, you just get different kinds of people. Um, so it depends. If you tend to do developer circuit stuff, if that's what you tend to do, they're mostly going to be the same kinds of things. Um, and you're mostly going to run into the same kind of people. Um, and, you know, it's just a matter of, is this topic like wildly different or not? Um, but I'd make minor changes for that. But I've made, I've made some significant changes to things based on the audience, yeah. That was very long-winded, wasn't it? No, but it's good, though. Good. It's good stuff. Got to fill some time. Good stuff. <laughs> we're, we're never, never at a loss to fill some time. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, I, um, I think also, too, the reason why, for me personally, why a lot of times I don't change the... I don't know. Focus. I don't know. Focus is not the right word, but the audience where I don't because mainly most of the talks I give are for the intermediate to um, more advanced users. So again, you're kind of, you know, you're putting yourself in a little particular niche when you're giving when you're giving a talk. You're assuming the audience is going to be of a certain level. So, um, and you would assume that you know people are going to show up for the talk because they already kind of have all the prerequisites in place to kind of understand what you're going on. So as a little twist of things, I wanted to talk to you about your thoughts on. What do you feel is like the worst talk that you ever gave? Mm. I know I'll talk about mine, which may surprise some people to hear what they thought the worst talk I ever gave was. I think the worst talk I ever did um, was the testing workshop I did last year at Tech. Um, I thought I was prepared, thought I had a good thing. There were too many people. I covered stuff way too fast. And I even apologized for it when I gave my talk the next day. I said to anybody that was in the things, like, I feel like I did a really terrible job. And um, I think it's interesting, too, because um, as as people pick up certain skills, and and this this is the same outside of programming, oftentimes when, you know, you'll feel like you personally did a really bad job of doing something right. some somebody that doesn't actually have those skills will look at and say what are you talking about that was, it was like really good i learned a ton you did this and this and this and i mean like i am my own worst critic when it comes to all this stuff which i think may surprise some people but um but yeah so that for me that was it was just a sinking feeling as i got further further and further into giving this workshop i was like yeah chris you've totally blown this you're not prepared oh, and um you, I could tell I was going too fast for the people and just you could see that I was losing people. And that's mm-hmm. never, never a good feeling. And, and in fact, it's kind of, you know, um, you know, it's kind of made me a little shy to offer to do other tutorials without tons and tons of, um, without giving myself lots and lots of lead time um, yeah. to plan for it, to make sure that it's going to be Really, really good. It's basically like I would want to have the whole thing written and actually run through it with somebody else, um, and actually try to give the the workshop to somebody else before uh, before one hundred percent committing to give it at a conference. So what? A, so that for me, that was just the worst feeling when it was over. I was like, I was tired and I was anxious at the end of it. And I felt terrible and I felt like I had let all these people down. I was like, yeah, they came here because I'm, I'm really, you know, I've put a ton of effort into evangelizing about testing and I, and I know how to do all the stuff. And, you know, generally speaking, I've been very good at teaching people about this stuff, but this was just, just, I felt like I just absolutely wrecked it and just, just ruined it and wasted everybody's time and that they would have been better off just me throwing copies of my books at them. They would have gotten more out of it than what I blazed through in six hours of talking to people um, at tech. So what about you, Ed? What talk do you remember that you gave that you felt was your worst one that you ever gave? And, for, and it can be for any reason. It could be because, you know, it could be for any reason. I think, uh, 
I think I've had a couple where the, I think the, I, I can't remember like having a talk where I felt like I really, sh- well, no, I've had a couple where I felt like I was like, Oh, this just didn't go well. And I was, I was mm, unhappy about it. Um, and then it, I got okay feedback, at least decent feedback on it. So I guess it, it wasn't too bad. Um, I think that I've had, I, I definitely, the problems that I've, I'm having trouble thinking of one where I was like, oh man, that was just awful. You know, like I really felt like I shit the bed on that one. Um, I've definitely had times where I've gotten up there and realized I didn't understand certain things as well as I thought I had and basically didn't prepare well enough. Um, and I think that was a tough thing. Uh, so I, I, in that sense, I, I think the things I've, I've felt like were, I've gone up there and I felt like I didn't have enough understanding of the material to really like where I, I got up there and I just realized I was like, I don't know, you know, X, how this works. I just realized that I hadn't gone through it in my head. I hadn't, you know, really gone, gone forward with it and, uh, and kind of caught myself off guard. And that's not where you want to be caught like that is standing in front of a bunch of people. That's not fun. Um, that's, that's a distinct feeling of panic that you get when uh, you're, you're in that place. Um, I think, uh, you know, I was going back, I went back through like stuff on joined in and I think I had a, uh, uh, I think the first time I gave, uh, if you remember that CodeWorks tour is back in 2009. Uh, I did one of those for at least a leg of that. And yes, uh, I remember that tour. Right. Yeah. And I did a talk about code igniter and, uh, I think I, uh, I had too much content in it and, uh, it, it, uh, and so I think that I think I was trying to cover too much and didn't go into enough detail and uh, about things to sort of focus on it and say, this is how it works, you know, get really basic with it and then kind of, you know, fit it within the time. Um, I remember rushing through that one. And that one of the nice things about being on that tour, though, was that I was able to make improvements really fast and I got really good on those all those talks, actually, I think, um, after after that. Um, and I think that helped a lot. Uh, I'm trying to think of, I'm, I'm looking through some of these other ones and wondering if I had, uh, uh, talks. That, so most of the stuff I think has gone. Okay. Um, seems like I've gotten ones here and there that I felt like I've had things that stuck with me. And, and a lot of times it was stuff that didn't, that actually other people didn't seem to think was a big deal, but there was something about it that really bothered me or upset me. Like somebody made a con- like, you know, maybe somebody raised their hand and made a comment and it really felt it threw me off or something like that, or it stuck with me for a while and it was hard for me to shake. Uh, so I, 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 I'm trying, I'm having trouble. I haven't, I, I had thinking of one where it was like, Oh man, that was really bad. Um, uh, I, I've had a couple ones where I, I think the big worry that I've had, and it was kind of hard to tell, was that I, I, I demonstrated how to do something. Uh, and that's most of my technical talks. I try to actually show something and how it works and build a real simple example. And I, I remember doing one where it was, uh, 
it was, you know, have it really was a, like a server in PHP and then a client application that was written in a web runtime like Titanium or something like that or Adobe Air or something of that nature, right? And uh, this example was a thing where it was like you could upload files, uplo- excuse me, upload images, and then they would get processed on the server to do different transforms on them, and then it would surf it back, right? After it did the transforms on it. And I remember doing one thing there uh, that was, uh, I, I remember doing that example and just feeling like nobody, people were just kind of like, uh, this is stupid. Nobody gives a shit about it, right? Uh, nobody cared. This was a dumb example, and it doesn't do anything, and nobody cares about it, and didn't help anybody. Uh, I don't. I mean, looking back, I don't think that I got like a terrible review on it or anything like that. But it was. Uh, I just. I remember at least one time feeling like, particularly like the audience just did not see the you know the didn't have didn't seem interested in it, and that was kind of that was kind of tough, right? Um. But, uh, you know, those are, uh, so I think that's, I think it's tough. I think it's, it, it sort of underlines that you really want to know what you're going to do. I would re- much rather have a talk that had solidly understood content. The speaker was doing a solid job and stuff like that. And it was a little bit short than something that kind of wandered around and you just felt like there was way too much stuff in it or the person didn't have really a great grasp on it or just didn't get into, uh, you didn't come away with it feeling like you understood what was going on there. Like feeling like I could have dipped, I sort of understand better about how it works. Like I, I've dipped my toes in this a little bit and feel like I, I could pick it up and write a little application with the thing that he showed me or she showed me. Um, so ones where, you know, I've, I've definitely walked out of talks like that where I've been like, I guess I see kind of vaguely what this is about, but I don't really understand how it works. And if you ask me, it's like, okay, I want to, I sort of feel like I should be able, like coming in from a talk that's about a particular technical topic. Like it's about say a particular product or platform or framework or tool, things like that. I want to understand how to use the tool. I don't really necessarily, I want to understand why to use the tool to some extent, but I really want to understand how to use it. Like, and when I say how to use it, I mean like, this is how you install it. And this is how you configure it. And this is, you know, and stuff like that, because I really want to have a basic understanding of like how to actually utilize it. And times where I feel like I haven't done that, or times when I've seen talks where I feel like I haven't, they haven't done that, the presenter hasn't done that. I felt like those weren't successful talks for me. I feel like when I when somebody's showing me something like a tool like that, that's really what I want to get out of a technical talk most of the time. I, I just had to mute because there's some elephants or rhinoceroses in the room above me. I could actually see them, Mike, picking them up. That's awesome. Up there stomp, stomping around in the living room, so family room above me. Sorry. That's why you have a um, noise gate. Yeah. That takes that out. What's that? We have a noise gate and post. It'll take it out. Oh, excellent. Yeah, okay. Nice. Uh, so I got distracted for a second. Yeah. So like I said, I, I, I mean, uh, I've tried to be very consistent in how I give my talks. And I, like I said, I think I've been doing this long enough that uh, the ability to deliver a good talk is not a problem. It's just at this point, it's kind of like, I, I know when I've prepared enough and I know when the talk's gone well. And for me, the worst time is the most nervous time for me. And yes, I do still get nervous once in a while is the very first time that I've given a particular talk. Oh yeah. Um, so 
Um, I mean, like I did that, I did that talk about hack. And so of course on Friday, and of course, you know, the first time you run through a talk, you never know what you're going to expect. Um, you know, as someone, it's interesting. Uh, I always like hearing about the creative process from writers. And I find it interesting that sometimes uh, writers talk about how stories and char- you know, characters and things and stories just seem sometimes to just kind of evolve and come out of it. And, and lots of times they're like, well, the characters just kind of reveal themselves. I know that um, I know that I'm a big Calvin and Hobbes fan, and I remember reading a thing by um, by the author where he talked about how all the sort of stuff that Calvin does, it just just kind of you know Calvin the, the idea that the Calvin surprises him as he's writing it almost as if he's like channeling something um channeling his thoughts into the character i f- i find with talks um sometimes the talks take a life of their own and um as you you know you find yourself constantly tweaking them and changing them. Like I said, I've never given the same talk twice, mainly because um, being someone that likes to talk with people uh, about topics that I'm um, passionate or interested in, um, because those are sometimes two different things. I can be passionate about things in the wrong way, for sure. Um, That talks kind of evolve. And I find my best talks are ones where, uh, you know, I had just a little tiny core of the talk and I just... I just ran with it. And because, you know, with the experience with, with delivering a talk, I was able to kind of almost freestyle it into a more interesting talk, um, which, which brings me around to the, to uh, the idea of like, do you feel that, you know, sometimes, I mean, some talks, you know, when I give a talk, some talks, they don't, I, I feel like the talk doesn't want to let me stray into that um, place where I'm good relating to the audience and getting a sense of what, they would or would not find interesting. And other talks seem to lend themselves to Chris gets to be the raconteur that he really wants to be and ramble on about a whole bunch of things that happen to be related to the topic of the talk. Do you, do you find sometimes you feel like that the talks kind of want to do their thing and you're just there for the ride? Yeah, I think a little bit. I think it depends on, uh, I think it depends a lot on the topic. Um, I think that, there's the usual. Yeah. I think it depends a lot on the topic, but I I think there's definitely a case where you sort of feel like it takes you in this direction and you you want to say, I want to show this tool. So I'm going to do this, 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 right. Or I want to uh, get across these concepts and this is the, you know, that you want to go from a to B to C to D and there's a clear journey there. And it's just a matter of like putting it in the words that are going to get the person on that journey on that journey. And they're going to get them from A to D, you know, wherever. Uh, I think that, uh, I think for me, a lot of times, uh, especially with the, the other, the mental health talks that I've done, I think what it is is that there's a bunch of a more, it's like, there's some, key things that I want to get across. And there's a lot of emotions and ideas that I want to get across and with those, it's really a matter of molding it into a talk that is going to make some kind of sense. That's going to have some kind of like take you on some kind of journey and be somewhat consistent and not sort of jumping all over the place. Right. Um, and that's certainly something that I've learned <laughs> about, uh, it, you know, sometimes you realize it's like, Oh, well, you know what I keep do I keep saying this in this place, but it really makes sense, more sense over here. And you only realize that after you've done it a few times. 
um, because it makes the journey kind of smoother. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, to some, I, I mean, really it's like if you're excited about something, you want to tell what you're excited about. And then for me, it's a matter of molding it into a, a uh, into uh, something that can be presented by you, spoken by you, shown by you, and processed and received and understood by this audience. So it's really kind of molding those things that you're really excited about uh, that are oftentimes, you know, for me, and I think maybe for other people, when you're really excited about something, it's sort of, you know, it's a bunch of stuff in your head is jumping around. It's really kind of turning that into something that's digestible um, and is going to keep people's interests, right? Um, and uh, a lot of that has to do with, you know, what kind of personality you get across with, you know, uh, as a presenter and things like that. Um, but... But yeah, I mean, the ones that are fun to do, the ones that are really fun to do are the ones that you're most excited about, you know, for one reason oh, or another. Those, sure, yeah. enthusiasm, uh, you know, a little dash of enthusiasm goes a long way. It's just, I mean, I'm sure other speakers can kind of feel the same way. Just sometimes I feel like there's some talks that, you know, some talks that fight against me as I try to, you know, put it together and get the ideas out that mm-hmm. I think are important. And some, and you know, and those I'm fighting against as I'm giving the talk too. Sometimes I felt like I'm fighting against this talk. And the other talks where it's like, you know, Chris, you can do no wrong. We're going, we're going from start to finish, and uh, you've got the audience right there paying attention to you, and um, you're going to do great because you know how to tell a good story. And we do a little bit of storytelling. We add some facts and. I kind of, you know, look at the audience and kind of get some feedback. Is this going well? Is it not going? I mean, I've certainly had parts of talks where I go like, I was like, I was going to talk about this section, but I'm getting the feeling that you guys don't really care. So let's skip on to the next thing. Cause I think this next thing is actually more interesting for us right now and then go into it. So things like that have happened. So yeah. um, we're getting close to the, we're getting close to the end here for today, I think. Um, but one last, one thing I want to go, go over um, for people that haven't spoken at conferences before. Um, mm-hmm. I think people uh, are super intimidated to speak in front of groups of people. That's kind of a normal thing. I think most people are somewhat shy to go up and talk in front of people. But there's there's the common idea that people think that they have nothing to share, and that you know what you know what possibly could I talk about? And so, um, I mean, I, I can only speak for me. It started because I felt like I had um, learned something. Um, I had learned something that changed how I thought about um, that topic. And then that became the way for me. Like, I think I could give a talk to groups of people about this thing that I've learned and why it changed how I thought. And so I, I think, I, I mean, there. I, I contrast to like maybe even like three, four years ago, uh, the number of conferences compared to the number that there are now, there really has been a rise of regional conferences, what you would call the regional conference, which I call like a small conference for like, I don't know, like 80 to 120 people, I think is probably the number that I think of when I think of one that small. I mean, that's kind of what True North PHP is like about that size. I know, you know, tech is probably three to four times that size. I'm sure you've been to other kind of smaller ones, Mm -hmm. but I want to get across, I want to get across to people like, if you know something or if you've learned something that changed 
how you viewed something, that's a perfect candidate for a talk. People are, I mean, it's easy for me to say this, but people are too scared of rejection and too, and when people, it's, it's a, it's also like, um, uh, an empathy thing, the ability to like put yourself in the place of another person and say that, you know, you know something and other people might not know this. And so, by you know the fact the simple fact that you're sharing will will impress um, a very large number of people as long as you show that you know you actually know this thing that you're you're talking about and so I think people are really doing a lot of self centering and doing a lot of um, a lot of self doubt and thinking that they can't do this they can't possibly go up and speak in front of a group of people and there's and it's I tell people all the time you know way more about things than you really do you've because the problem is you have forgotten. What you actually, how much you actually know about a particular topic, and it's only when you sit down to try to, you know, explain this topic to somebody else is when you realize how much you really know. So I, I want to encourage people who are listening to this to understand, you know, I am extremely fortunate that I have had what I would consider a long career as a speaker since like 2006. I've been giving talks. It's like almost nine years I've been doing this, and it all started because. I, I learned something that made me, wow, I had no idea that was possible. And I was so excited to share that with other people that I turned it into a talk. So I want people who are out there to realize that you can do this too. This isn't this big, scary thing um, that you think it is. Is it nervous? Sure. Do you have to be prepared? Sure. Are these skills that you can learn? Absolutely. You know, when I contrast to how I was when I, you know, you know, we were joking about this when I put some, when, you know, you're making a joke about how did I land that hottie when you saw the picture of my wife mm-hmm. on Twitter the other day because my wife dra- dragged out some old pictures and so I was taking a picture. When I think my wife even says that I'm a totally different person from uh, who I was back when we met and, and when we got, and even when we got married. And, you know, for me, the big change was I realized that doing this sort of thing that I'm doing now, sharing with people and talking about stuff and being outgoing, these were skills that I learned because I realized they were going to help me have a um, have a better career. And you know, if if you are considering programming as a career, not as just the not as your not just as your job, because I know plenty of people who are good programmers, but they're programming. Um, it's the job, and it's the job that's helping to pay for the life that they want to lead, and that's cool. That's good. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. but for me, programming is a career. And so I still do programming stuff when I'm not working. But if I wanted a if I wanted a good career where I said to myself, you know, what you know, how can I get my profile up so that I can instead of instead of always having to always having to choose jobs, jobs can instead choose me, which is kind of you know through fortune and other things is actually what has happened. So I tell people speaking at conferences is the um, is a shortcut to getting yourself a better career uh, and getting your and making contacts with people. Everything I have now is because I made the commitment almost 10 years ago to start talking at these things. Yeah. I'd say that, that that's a, uh, that's absolutely true. Um, I mean, my journey for that was different. I just like getting up in front of people and talking about stuff. <laughs> um, and, and I wasn't not thinking about the, how it impacts uh, you career wise, that was not what was on my mind. Um, but it absolutely has, it has made a huge difference. Um, and, but I, you know, I did it because I, the only reason I did is because I really liked doing it. And that was it. That was just it. I, I think that it's, uh, you know, I think it's, it's something that, uh, you have to believe that you are 
And believe me, I know a lot about not feeling this way, about feeling that you don't have anything to offer and, and that people aren't interested in hearing what you have to say and stuff like that. Um, but generally, it's a, uh, I think it's, it's something where you have to believe that you do have something to offer. And it doesn't mean you have something fascinating to offer about every single topic or something like that. But there, there are some things that you do actually know a fair bit about and you uh, can probably tell somebody something they didn't know about a lot of things. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, some people are going to like doing this kind of stuff uh, and some people are going to be less into it and maybe they occasionally do it here and there, but it's not like they're a super thing that they want to do a bunch. Um, and that's totally fine. Uh, but it isn't something that I think uh, uh, it needs to be too scary. Uh, I think it's something that's valuable. And I really get excited when I see people who haven't done talks before uh, get up in front of people and talk about it, uh, just about a topic that they're interested in. And one of the coolest things about the open source group that we have here in um, the Lafayette, Indiana area is that we do every probably three or four months. We do a thing we call uh, they're not lightning talks. They're thunder talks because they're slower uh, because they're about 20 minute talks. <laughs> uh, right. Oh, that's, a, that's a great, that's a great name. Alan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I unfortunately didn't come up with that. I called them lightning ish, but then somebody started calling them thunder. And that was a much better name. Um, and uh, the, so the, the great thing is that I guarantee there's people there who have not given talks before who get to get a chance to get up and just talk in front of people. And it's, it, you know, runs the gamut. It's, uh, but it's all open sourcey tech stuff, right? But it's not, you know, we're not just a PHP group or just a, you know, a Python group or just JavaScript or whatever. It's just sysadmin stuff or things like that. So there's a lot of different, a lot of different things there. And really the point is at the end of the day, uh, twofold. It's one, it's just to, that part of open source culture is sharing what you know. And, and that's really, and, and, and sharing it freely. Um, and, and I find that so valuable. And I, so I want to encourage people to do that. You know, you can do it in a lot of ways. And if you don't feel like doing it in, by speaking in front of people, that's totally fine. But I guarantee you've got a lot to show and share that you are an expert and know a lot about things that other people don't know about and could gain a lot from hearing from you. So I think it's something to keep, you know, to keep exploring and, and find those ways to, to maybe do it, uh, in places that are a little bit smaller, um, and, uh, and, and kind of build up from there. Like I said, user groups, you know, the, the, which is basically what we have, except it's just sort of a, it's open source in general, uh, organizations like that are really useful. So, uh, those are good places to try those things out. Um, also encourage, yeah. also encourage people if they're attending a conference and that, and that particular conference has their own little lightning talks or unconf, um, you know, uh, track or whatever, you know, um, cause a lot of conferences are doing that. I encourage you. Yeah. That's a, a great way to kind of work, you know, ease into giving talks. I mean, yes, I, I, I understand that not everybody can get up and give a talk in front of a large crowd and, and be 
uh, and be uh, comfortable with it. I'm just extremely grateful um, that at some point when I was in school, I had to do this presentation course and whatever that teacher taught me just flipped the right switches in my head and my fear of speaking in front of large groups of people was gone. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, that, that gave me the opportunity that when the, you know, gave me the chance when, to, you know, when opportunities came up to speak at conferences, I was like, yeah, I can do this. I can totally do this. So uh, in closing, I would encourage, you know, if people are looking for some tips on, on uh, to clarify things as a conference organizer, I'm kind of uncomfortable with offering my service to help people, um, like polish their talks. Like people ask me all the time about, you know, can you take a look at my talk? Can you, you know, and I have to qualify it by telling people, okay, I can, I can take a look at this, but you kind of have to, but you can't submit it to my own conference because then there's like, um, uh, I'm concerned about favoritism that, you know, like I would feel really awkward if I help someone craft a really good talk and then they submit it to my conference and they're like, Oh yeah, Chris totally helped me with this talk. I'd be like, people will be thinking that I'm only accepting, the, you know, I want yeah. to accept the talk because I helped the, help the person put it together. So, um, you know, I would be happy to, to talk to people about, you know, ways to craft good, um, talk abstracts or even to talk to, even to do like the meta, what I would call a meta talk about talks about, you know, what you need to think about. If you're thinking about doing it here, so, you know, you know, how, how can I get into it? What about pacing? Like just ideas kind of, you know, an extension of kind of what we were talking about tonight. I would like to help some people who are kind of wavering about getting involved in, in giving tech related presentations, whether it's, you know, whether it's at work or it's at your local user group, or if you want to take that big plunge and start submitting, uh, you know, submitting talks to, um, to conferences, both in North America and, and over in Europe, I want to help. I'd like to, I would definitely like to talk to some people who are kind of struggling um, with the confidence side of things and just wondering, you know, how do I, how do I get involved with this? Because I, I, I want to demystify it for people. It's not this, it's not this weird, crazy thing that people um, think it is. It's really, you can break it down to a bunch of really basic steps that I think are kind of like repeatable. And, and, and I think I look at it and I think if, if I learned how to do this stuff, um, others can definitely learn how to do it. It's, it's not like I was, uh, you know, like I, I, I taught myself everything. Um, it's not like I was a gifted orator as a kid and, you know, uh, you know, ran plays for my family. You know, I always hear about kids like that all the time. I'm like, no, that wasn't me. I just, I, at some point I said, um, if I want to have a, if I want to have a better career, I need to learn how to do this. And, um, and, um, you know, now you see the big egotistical monster that's in front of you right now. So if I can go from nothing to uh, internet superstar, now I'm pointing at them at my screen. So can you. If I so can't, I would love to help. So can you? If I can't, that's right. Uh, so I would love to help some folks kind of get involved in the talking game and and, and discuss some of these uh, the higher level concepts. Again, I'm kind of leery to help people craft talks if there's chances that they're going to be submitted to my own conference. But you know, we can kind of approach those on an issue by issue basis. But yeah, and I would like to help some people get get on the conference train, as it were, because we need new people. It's in many cases the same people giving the same talks, and I would like to see some of that change, even if it means I don't get accepted as many places. Because oh, well, if I don't get to go to, if I don't get to go to Pacific Northwest PHP, and I got my fingers crossed, I will have given exactly zero talks at uh, in-person conferences in 2015, and that's because. Uh, you know, so many other people are now giving talks. And so it's kind of bittersweet. It's great that more people are getting involved. It just sucks that it's not me giving a talk. Yeah, I, I want my free trips. No, I'm just fucking <laughs> <that>. Well, <laughs> well, hey, don't get me wrong. Those free trips are nice. 
Um, yeah. and it's, it's nice to, it, it's, it's nice to not have to pay out of pocket to speak somewhere. I'm not going to lie about that. You know, for the most part, conference organizers are, are very generous and they take care of their speakers really well. And there's the odd conference where they haven't, you know, haven't done such a great job, but I'm, I'm not going to, you know, name those on air anyway, but, um, and they know who they are. Um, but they just, I would like to see more, I would, I would like to see more people get involved. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I think it, and it, I think it helps uh, the open source uh, developer community, uh, the PHP community that we're most active in. Uh, I think it helps a ton when uh, we encourage that. So yeah. All right, we're tired, and uh, yeah, we're tired. I think we've, I think we've reached the end of uh, episode number sixty. Swazant zexich. I don't know how you say sixty in Spanish. Um, but. Uh, yeah, should we talk about Mui. these sponsors again? What do you think? Mui Caliente. We've made it to Mui the Caliente. Six, 60 times, Ed, we've gotten together to talk about stuff. That's uh, it's pretty good. Boring. And we're, still talk, and we're still talking to each other outside of the podcast, so that's even better. Outside of the pocket. That's right, outside of the pocket. Running uh, so, play uh, action. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a bit. Oh, I love play action uh, passing in football. Uh, if I was an offensive coordinator, I'd be doing all screens and play action all over the damn place. There you go. All right. So, Come on, outside linebackers. Come at me, bro. Yeah, man. You got those Manziel moves. Um, so you got your Wonder Networks. Uh, you get the uh, proxies. You get the uh, where's it up. You get the uh, pictures of your websites and what, see what things look like from Tanzania. Uh, and you get Paul potentially as a roommate to, uh, people who have been sent by the Rove foundation, uh, to conferences. Uh, if you're lucky, you'll get Paul as your roommate. Um, and, uh, Rove, of course we know, uh, they are involved in the, uh, the new saxophone, uh, jazz fusion game. Uh, I believe it's called. Uh, noodling uh, with Greg Gary that's his name right yes noodling with Gary noodling with Gary call him Greg and I'll call him Greg all day I'll call him Greg all day tomorrow at work just Greg well he's Welsh so it'd be Greg with no vowels it'd be like just G-R-G call him Gary I said to him one time I, I said to him one time how can your name be Gary when there's no vowels in Welsh yeah, that's a good question how do they even make a vowel that's a good question what just call him Jerry from here on out like in all your stand audio stand ups so Jerry what do you think oddly enough I don't actually work with Gary on any of my projects oh thank I god just put up with, I, just, I know I just put up with him uh, lying about stealing money he has been stealing money, but it's for a good cause for the Rove Foundation. That's right, Rove Foundation. We want to send we want to send you to a conference. Feel disadvantaged, can't make it, financial hardships, or first time student, whatever, we'd like to talk to you. So check out the Rove page at rove.com slash foundation. Rove.com slash foundation. It's That's where you awesome. get it. That's it. I have to get that as a wave file, and we'll put it up on the we'll put it up on the page. I'll get I'll get Evan once his latex allergy calms down. All right, get him to take a look. Got, we got to isolate it so I can I can just get it so he can use it in like radio spots. Rove.com. Shut up, Jesus! I'm trying to do it isolated. <laughs> Rove.com Foundation. There you go. You can use that. Anybody can use that in their tracks uh, in their radio spots. 
Royalty-free uh, Creative Commons. Right. Thank you. Right. I, no, I appreciate no problem. That. I'm here to help. So, so that's been it. Episode number sixty. As uh, once this is posted, by the time you listen to this, if you aren't in IRC, you'll find every single episode we've ever done on our website at devhell.info. <coughs> Excuse me, I ran out of uh, whiskey. This is not good. Um, I don't drink whiskey, of course. I drink dark and stormies, but I'm a lot of ginger beer. Uh, so you can find every episode there. Also, um, oh, yeah, dark and stormies are awesome. I'll have to buy you one when we're in Chicago. You hook me up. Um, Oh, dude, I'm going to get us. Grumpy Learning is going to get us so wasted. It's going to be good. Um, having my own company, I can write off my own drinks. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, also, for those who are interested in knowing that we are actually, when we do record live, we do have people hanging out in IRC, although they just basically talk to each other for most of the podcast, very rudely, not asking us any questions. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Now, Joe, now Joe's sucking up at the end. And uh, um, But you, if you ever want to connect to us, you can go to uh, devhell.info slash IRC. There's a web client and that'll take you right to the channel so you can you know uh, and then you click and listen to the stream and you can ask us questions because we do monitor the uh monitor the channel and, you know i think in ed for i actually would like to think for our next episode i actually want to do like a mailbag episode we're going to get our our awesome listeners to send us a bunch of questions and we'll just randomly pick some and answer them they can be about almost um anything so oh yeah that's a great so idea. that's what i would like that would be a good idea. So every single episode we've ever done, devhell.info, along with um, the audio, along with um, Ed always comes up with a snappy title, good graphics to go with it. There are show notes for anything that we talked about that was linkable. We're going to go into it. Um, also, if uh, if you listen to us via iTunes, please rate the show. Um, it helps us gauge whether we're, you know, we are committed to d- delivering top-notch uh, program-related comedy, so we want to know that uh, we're doing a good job. You know, entertain and educate um, is what I try to do. Um, so uh, you can find the po- podcast as its own uh, Twitter account as a dev underscore hell. You can find me on Twitter as Grumpy Program without the U. You can find Ed as Funkatron with you. Thanks so much for joining us in the podcast. Good night, Ed. Good night.